The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay. Um, so um, we we would really love to hear if you are willing to share with us um, what happened in your small group, whatever you'd like to share. You know, the, the, the questions were, um, what are your uh, beautiful monsters, your habitual patterns, and, um, and or um, what makes it better for you and what makes it worse for you? So please, if you'd like to share, just unmute yourself and hold forth. This is Simone. Can you hear me? Hi. Yeah. Uh, I was just with a lady, Christian, who was from, uh, I think, Arizona. And we took together because nobody else joined us. And both of them, uh, main concern in life were there family, extended family or small family, and we were discussing how to, to, to try to um, uh, settle that and uh, be uh, peaceful about it. Uh-huh. And I was telling her that uh, my, uh, I have two children and they are not married, so I'm quite close to them. But I think uh, it's their fault for not being married. And uh, I wish they were married and would go away from my responsibility. I feel uh, responsibility towards them. Sorry. And did you hear whether, uh, yeah. And uh, the lady, the Christian, maybe she can says, say something, but she had a more extended family and she said she was always involved in her mind with what happened last or what might happen in the future. Yeah. Great, thank you. Someone else like to share? I ended up getting paired with a woman from Wisconsin, and I live very close to IMC, so I'm out in California. But it turns out that we had very similar patterns of independence and never ended up getting married and having children. And um, I I just found that it was... um, very interesting that um you know we're we happen to get paired and could um look at um our habitual patterns great um i i happened in a group uh as well with a commonality and that we all three had uh late night habits of of uh, staying up late and getting involved in um, games or sudoku or freestyle solitaire and and 
and in my case, feeling it wasn't a healthy thing to do and and how to and, and why why we why were we night owls and why were we what were we trying to accomplish with diverting our minds with these uh, in my case compulsive little games did you have any any uh, suggestions for each other no not really we we were involved in un, in in um, unspooling, unraveling uh, all these little things. So yes. no, no words of wisdom. Great. Well, I found something that um, a habitual pattern of thinking is um, thinking that I have forgotten something. Um, I haven't done something, and so therefore, you know, it's like kind of like bad girl, bad girl, you haven't done that kind of thing. And um, slipping into that, it happens frequently. Um, And how I'm dealing with it is noticing it and um, trying to bring some logic and equanimity to it. But it, it happens frequently. The judge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for naming it. <laughs> John Tomato calls it the jackal. The jackal. Yeah. Uh, we need. We need to be kind to the jackal. Kind to the jackal. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> this is Christy, and I. I think we interpreted our group interpreted your question differently. So we talked about what gets in the way of our practice. Right. Um. M- kind of three things finding a pattern that uh that can work um thinking too much and falling asleep but basically (laughs) those three things um and we talked a little bit we didn't have a lot quite enough time to really talk about how to address it um but that's what we talked about i had one suggestion um about about getting getting a meditation practice stabilized is commit yourself to do it uh, every day. And if it's only for 10 minutes, if that's what you can do, just make it 10 minutes, but at least do that 10 minutes every day for 30 days, mm-hmm. just 30 days. It's magic. It'll become a habit. Mm-hmm. If, 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 if 20 minutes is, you know, will work for you or 30 minutes. Great. But the steadiness of every day at a certain time, then it becomes another habit, a good habit. Well, uh, this is Carol. In our group, I think we kind of had a, an agreement that the, the problem, the monster was thinking and thoughts. And so um, we had we shared a lot of wisdom, I think, about how to um, how to deal with that. One was coming back to the body or the breath and being in the um, in the body because it's when you're up in your head that things get kind of crazy. Um, and another one person. Um, 
has learned to actually label a thought as a thought. That was very helpful, that it was realizing that um, these are just thoughts. <laughs> there, it's nothing permanent. It's just a, a passing thing, a passing thought. So that was huh. what we shared. So those are, those are great mindfulness of the feelings and mindfulness. Well, the body, thinking, the body, the body. Yeah. And, and I, I just might add that mindfulness of thinking is knowing. But transformation, and, and so you can know it, but transformation comes through awareness of feeling. So both are great. Okay. So um, this has been a wonderful uh, discussion. I wish we could go on and on and on. I think you would all have wonderful things, important things for us all to hear. Um, because as I said, there's so much wisdom in this, in this uh, room. We have a special guest today a dear friend of mine and Robert's, an old friend. And uh, she's a teacher at, uh, the, the, the Dharma teacher at, in San Jose. She has a couple of groups, one in, in San Jose and one in Menlo Park. And uh, she's going to bestow her kindness and wisdom on us today. So please, Burgett. This is Burgett Jelaine. Thank you, David. Actually, my second group is in Morgan Hill, not Menlo. So it's good to see you all. Good to hear you all. And we're going to switch gears just a little bit. So maybe take a deep breath. Relax to the best of our ability. Let go of what we've just been talking about. Okay, good. So what I thought we'd do for the next little bit is talk a bit about the benefits, the joys, you might say, the advantages of growing older. We live in a culture that does not value age. We're supposed to stay young and beautiful and healthy and active until we die. <laughs> but that's not the reality, is it? <laughs> As the Buddha suggested, there's aging. And I have found, maybe some of you have too, that there can be some, some joy, some very nice things about growing older. So I thought I would share with you what I have found, and then we'll leave a few minutes for <clears throat> some of you to share. So the biggest thing I think I have found is freedom. The freedom to let go of so much. The freedom to just relax and be who I am. You know, when we're young, raising families, earning a living, 
there's so much striving, so um, so much expected of us, and we have busy schedules, and we have all these things to do. And as I think it was Jeannie was saying, there can be this underlying feeling, what am I forgetting, what am I not doing? And as I've grown older and retired, I've found a great amount of freedom in not having all those expectations. In many ways, I'm just as busy as I ever was. But it's things that I choose to do. And it's things that I can rearrange, reschedule. I can decide not to do. And I don't feel that that constraint that I felt when I was younger. And so I'm really enjoying that freedom. As I said, letting go of all the things I thought I had to do, I thought I had to be, I thought I had to accomplish. And I can relax. And in many ways, do what I want to do. (laughs) Do, as David was saying, what comes naturally, what feels natural to me, not what is expected. So, I spend a lot of time, especially since COVID, outside. A lot of time with my animals, my dog and two cats. And we sit out. Uh, I live in a townhouse complex, so there's a big grassy area nearby. And I can have my tea and read the paper. And the dog and the cats are laying beside me or walking around. It's very pleasant. And the neighbors see me and tend to come by. So, and the kids know me. (laughs) I'm sort of like the neighborhood grandma. In fact, I I have to tell you, about three weeks ago, I think, three of the little girls in the neighborhood did some chalk art on the sidewalk for me. They did this great big B and colored it in. And then they did a heart. And then they did, um, I think it was a star. And then a rainbow. And uh, and then they they said uh, to Brigitte, and then something about I hope you know who we are. <laughs> it was very sweet, very very um, nice of them. And those chalk art drawings are still there. I thought they would wash away with the sprinklers, but they haven't. So I'm I love kids like I love animals, and so I'm very much enjoying 
um, just being out there. And then the kids come by. And sometimes they talk to me, sometimes they just wave. But it's, for me, it's a wonderful experience. I really, really enjoy it. I'm fortunate that I'm healthy and so I can do a lot of things. I'm not so limited. I have a little shoulder discomfort these days, but I continue my swimming. I even am doing some bike riding. That has turned out to be really fun and really an experience. So I have a grandson that is 20. Um, he has cerebral palsy. He's, he's mobile, but not agile, not, not well-coordinated. And he never learned to ride a bike. So uh, a couple of years ago, I bought a three-wheeled, what's called an adult trike. For him. So when he comes to stay with me, he comes about once a month. He could ride this three-wheel bike. And he had no trouble learning that at all. That, that was fine. And so he would ride around the neighborhood. And I was running after him <laughs> to, to support and protect him, you know, because he doesn't, he's cognitively delayed as well. And he doesn't have the, the uh, instinct to watch for cars or to keep over to the right or whatever. Well, then when COVID came and the swimming pools all closed and I couldn't swim, I started riding his bike, his <laughs> trike. That has been such an experience. Many people, I think, have never seen uh, a big three-wheel bike. And so I don't go far, but out into the neighborhood a bit. And I'm astounded at the number of comments I get. Thumbs up. <laughs> I like your bike. Where'd you get your bike? <laughs> people sitting out on their front lawns. Um, you ought to have a dog in that basket. <laughs> Any number of comments. And occasionally I go by the same person, and so there's a smile or a wave or a nod of recognition. It's very, very fun. Uh, I enjoy it, and the other people enjoy it. Something that, had it not been for our need to stay home more, <laughs> shelter in place, so to speak, I might never have experienced. But now I bought a second bike for me, <laughs> and so Alexander and I can ride together and of course with me on a bike as well as him not running then we can go much farther and he's really he's really enjoying that 
and I am as well. And I'm back swimming now, but um, but I still ride the bike, uh, maybe on the weekends or occasionally. It's it's a very very fun experience, and I have time to spend more time with Alexander, my grandson. So a couple of weeks ago, we took our yearly trip up to Yosemite. Um, actually, we went to the Eastern Sierra, but drove through Yosemite. And it was very different from our typical trip because everything was closed. <laughs> the National Forest had all closed down because of the fires. So the hikes that we typically do, we couldn't do. But we went exploring in the car. Uh, we explored the little village of June Lake, and we had a very good time. So as I say, the freedom of aging I am really enjoying freedom to do things that I might not have had time for before, or I might not have thought I could do. Probably even five or ten years ago, I probably would not have been caught riding a three-wheel adult trike. <laughs> And now, it's fine. It's fine. I don't mind in the least. It's easier. It's a lot of fun. And who cares? Who cares? That's, I guess that's a piece of the freedom of aging. Who cares? Who cares if I look silly? Oh, when I was younger, I couldn't look silly for anything. Now, I don't mind. I don't mind looking silly. So many of the things I used to be concerned about, you know, they aren't important anymore. They just don't <clears throat> matter. So maybe that's another piece of it, that with aging, life kind of comes into perspective. And we see what is really meaningful and what is not. And a lot of the cultural expectations aren't so meaningful. A lot of what comes from within, comes from the heart, is much more meaningful. So I have a 90-year-old friend that lives at the terraces in Los Gatos. And I happened to sing with a group called Threshold Choir. So a couple of other women and myself from the choir sing for my friend Kate every Thursday morning. And we chat. And sometimes it becomes more chatting than singing. But it's a delight. She loves it. She's... Um, much more confined than I am. They're not allowed to leave. And uh, it's working. They're, they're all healthy. They don't have any COVID cases. So it's a good thing. But 
she really, really enjoys our, just our meeting with her. And of course, with Zoom, we can do that. This aging also, this stage of life, is an opportunity for giving back, an opportunity for volunteering. In, in uh, India and in other perhaps Eastern um, countries, this stage of life, the fourth stage of life, is considered a time of spirituality, a time when, you know, the family's raised and one uh, isn't worried about livelihood anymore. There's the opportunity for spiritual practice. And part of that is giving back, giving back to the society, giving back to perhaps the the church or tradition, doing volunteer work. And that I have found very enjoyable, very fulfilling also. I volunteer for Pathways Hospice. And um, although we're not visiting people right now, um, before March I was, and I'm sure one day again I will, going either to somebody's home or to a facility where somebody is on hospice and hanging out with them, listening to music, talking, whatever is important to them, whatever they want to do. And it feels, it's very rewarding. People enjoy it. People appreciate it. I enjoy it. I like meeting people and being with people towards the end of their lives. It's also, this stage of life is also an opportunity for us to practice, to Perhaps meditate more, attend more classes, um, whatever, in whatever way we find spiritual practice, Buddhist practice to be meaningful. So I have also, during this time, recognize that I have everything I need. Again, when we're young, we're busy accumulating and getting this and that. And at this stage, for me, there's nothing that I need. I have everything I need. So my life is quite simple. And there's a great freedom and a great um, happiness that comes from 
knowing that you have everything you need, that there's nothing, nothing I need. That doesn't mean I might not get something here or there, but that sense of, of contentment, that sense of being okay with whatever I have. Whatever I have is fine. It serves me well, takes care of me, and I don't need anything more. That's a big relief. <laughs> because we, we live in a culture that's constantly encouraging us to get more, get more, get more. We need this, we need that. And to be at a point in my life where I can say, no, I don't need that. I don't need a bigger car. I have a small car that serves me fine. I certainly don't need a bigger house. In fact, I probably don't need the size I have, but since I've been here so long, it's more economical to stay here. But that sense of Contentment, that sense of freedom, that sense of, you know, everything's fine, just as it is. That's, to me, that's great freedom. So, we just have a few minutes, but maybe some of you would share some of what you find freedom or happiness or contentment or whatever for you this stage of life brings. And maybe it's a surprise and maybe it's not. But what is of particular value at this time in your life? Um, this is Christy. Uh, I would say two things for me. Um, one is deepening my spiritual practice um, and my meditation practice. And the other is trying to make a difference in the lives of others and in the world through work, social justice work, political justice work, um, and Exploring the connection between those two. Thanks, Christy. Somebody else. Yes. My name's Carol. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that helps me is just the acceptance. Sometimes I can't do something. I'm just learning to accept that and say, yes. When people offer to help, I don't have to be fiercely independent anymore. <laughs> I can be grateful and appreciative. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. Yes, that can be a big one. Huh? Catherine? 
Um, I agree with really everything everyone said. I feel at this phase in retirement and in my life, I'm much more grateful for the small things, and I'm finding I need less and less. So it's it's kind of it's kind of nice. And I want to say thank you, and I need to leave. So goodbye to everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Somebody else? I'm David. Hi, David. Um, first of all, when I first retired, I threw myself into many hobbies and found myself busier than I had ever been while I was working. And uh, that was a wonderful bit of freedom. That has died down over the years. And what I find really valuable now is the time I have available to work on relationships, uh -huh. particularly relationships with people in my family. Um, I um, found myself fearing lying on my deathbed and wanting to have more time to repair some of the damaged relationships in my life. And so I turned my attention to that a few years ago and have in particular with my two adult children managed to um, repair the damage that I had inflicted through my poor parenting early in life. And this is probably the most valuable thing that I have experienced so far in my fourth stage of life. That's wonderful, David. Yeah. And you're, Adult children have been responsive? Yes. Very fortunately, they, they have been responsive. I feel um, their love more than I ever had before. And I, they tell me that they feel my love more than they ever did before. Mm -hmm. So it's been a very rewarding uh, journey. So thank you. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Forget. What? Uh -huh. I'd like to say something. <laughs> I'd like to say something to David. I feel your love too. When, when we connect at that level, it's not just personal in a, in, a, in a very, you know, sort of personal way. Everybody feels that love. You know, your reconciliation touches all of us at that level. It, it's a place of recognizing that in us. Thank you for sharing, David. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was nice. Thank you, Robert. I was going to say that, too. Um, I just, I'm Gail. Uh, I just um, felt just such warmth in my heart while David was telling us about that. And I uh, also appreciate more time with people, especially just talking on the phone and, and not worrying about getting off the phone even. <laughs> uh, 
And um, and forget, I, I really appreciated your comments about looking silly uh, and not, <laughs> not worrying about that. Um, I still have some ways to go on that, but <laughs> I think it's happening. And one of my favorite words in one of my favorite poems by E.E. E. Cummings is the word foolish wise. And it's all one word. Mm. And that's, that's what, as an elder, I want to be. I want to be foolish wise. Foolish wise. That's great. Thanks, Gail. Well, we're out of time, so perhaps um, I should turn it back to David. And thank you all. Thank you, Brianna. Thank you. David, did you want to say anything or? Just let's take a break. You know, that's, uh, so, uh, it's, it's 12, 17. Uh, maybe if you could be back by 25 after is eight minutes. Okay. And then Robert will, uh, bestow his wise words upon us, and, and, and uh, it'll be a pleasure to hear him. Okay, <clears throat> so see you all in about five minutes or so. 36 are back, Robert. I think it's okay to go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so for the folks who aren't back, I'm sorry, I'm going to get started. And... Um, I just want to say thank you to David, and I want to say thank you to Brigitte and to each and every one of you who participated in the session today and in the sharing. And, um, you know, it's an example of lives well-lived, intentions fulfilled in some way. It's, it's very heartening to, to witness all of this and to be part of it. And, um, you know, this aging business is, is a learning process every day. It's, we have an opportunity to learn new things. And one of the things that, that I notice, and I'm sure that, that this will resonate with a lot of you, is, and, and I picked it up in what David was saying, too, that, you know, we look back at our, over our lives, and there are times where, you know, we've been unskillful or someone has been unskillful with us and um, there's been bumps in the relationships or breaches or even we've lost relationships because of something that's happened. And the idea of um, replaying those things in our mind or recalling those things in our mind sometimes bring up uh, deeply, deeply held resentments that we're unaware that we even have. So I want to spend a little time with you for the balance of, of, of what we're, our time together today. Um, just turning our attention towards this issue or this, this beautiful act of uh, forgiveness and talk about what forgiveness is. Maybe look at some of the things that forgiveness isn't. Um, and uh, maybe get some sort of a sense of the difference between forgiving and reconciling. So I, I want to start with a, a meditation practice 
that one of the teachers that used to come out to Spirit Rock uh, uh, gave. He hasn't been around for a while, but uh, a wonderful guy. Um, his name was Eric Kovic. And this is a forgiveness meditation. And I don't know if it was his meditation or he he got it from somewhere else, but I got it from Eric, so I want to credit Eric with it. So I'd like to ask you to um, just take a comfortable position. And, uh, and we'll do a very short forgiveness meditation. Just find a way to be comfortable in your seat, to adjust your posture, um, to take a nice breath or two deep intentional breaths in through drawing the air in through your nostrils, bringing it deep into your belly and uh, exhaling through your mouth. And as you do, really feel the sense of letting go, just emptying out, breathing in and then just letting go and get that sense of releasing. And then allow whenever you're ready and in your own time, you're breathing to just return to its normal pace and rhythm. And this forgiveness meditation that I'm going to offer you is traditionally, it's a preliminary practice that's done before loving kindness or compassion meditation. So I want to say right from the beginning that forgiveness doesn't need to and should never be forced. Do this practice only within your own comfort zone and really it's fine not to do it at all. So bring your attention to the heart energy center in the middle of your chest behind your breastbone or sternum. And as you do that, feel whatever's there without any judgment. Just notice what's there. Notice what you notice naturally and breathe in your imagination as though you could breathe right through your heart center. And as I say the words of forgiveness meditation, you can say them to yourself silently as though you're saying them through your heart center. So take another nice breath in and out. And I'm going to begin here. So I'd like you to think of ways in which you have harmed yourself and harmed others. And it's better to begin with minor things, not the big acts of harming. And as far as you're able to do so, extend forgiveness to yourself for this harming by saying these phrases silently to yourself. I allow myself to be imperfect. I allow myself to make mistakes. I allow myself to be a learner, still learning life's lessons. 
I forgive myself. If I cannot forgive myself now, may I forgive myself sometime in the future. Now think of ways in which other people have harmed you. Again, begin with minor harms. And as far as you're able to do so, extend forgiveness to those people. Just as I allow myself to be imperfect, so too I allow you to be imperfect. Just as I allow myself to make mistakes, so too I allow you to make mistakes. I allow you to be a learner still learning life's lessons. I forgive you. If I cannot forgive you now, may I forgive you sometime in the future. And this time, I want you to ask forgiveness from others for the harm that you have done to them. Again, begin with minor harms. Please allow me to be imperfect. Please. Allow me to make mistakes. Please allow me to be a learner, still learning life's lessons. Please forgive me. If you cannot forgive me now, please try to forgive me sometime in the future. If you cannot forgive me now, please try to forgive me sometime in the future. Okay, take a nice 
deep breath in and out. And in a moment, I'm going to ring the bell and then you can open your eyes and come back into the group. So thank you. And I want to say now a few words about forgiveness, and then I want to give you some prompts and a little bit of time to go into a breakout room. I wish we had more time because this is a topic that could take the whole two hours, but um, we'll at least get a taste. So, So the theme is forgiveness for a loved one, a neutral person, a difficult person, just as though we were practicing the Brahma Viharas moving through the categories. But I, I want to f- the focus to be that forgiveness is basically um, an act of self-compassion. It's an act of self-kindness to forgive and let go and put down. So, <clears throat> so, how how do we work with this issue of forgiveness but, and how do we work with lingering resentments or with uncomfortable human feelings of wanting, you know, wanting an apology want, or wanting re- revenge so we can heal our re- relationships, not the revenge so we can heal it, but how do we work with these resentments so we can heal our relationships and um, clear the space for uh, wholesome uh, uh, flourishing so that we can enjoy the benefits of aging as as Burgett was pointing us to. And it goes without saying, I'm sure that there's no one here that would agree that it's easy to willingly turn to what's difficult and uncomfortable uh, in us, like like our resentments, but it is ironically what provides the essential healing aspect of awareness practices. This is the core and foundational teaching in compassion training. So forgiveness is in itself an act of transformation and all transformative undertaking involves effort. It would be nice if we could just snap our fingers and say something, but it doesn't seem to work that way. It does take effort. So <laughs> what what's necessary uh, is that we need to become familiar uh, uh, with what's happening in us, especially when what's happening in us is difficult or challenging. And, and when we face what's difficult or challenging, it can feel daunting or really sometimes it, like an impossible task. And in, in the process of doing that, however, what happens for most of us is that we meet our own internal views and opinions, which are most of the time, I would say, I, I don't think I'm out on a limb by saying this, most of the time these are rooted in unexamined uh, assumptions or implicit biases 
and ignorance of the way that things actually are. It's not noticing what's natural. It's like in resistance to it. And so we lose connection with awareness. So we find that we often have to face and deal with negativity and equality of, of, you know, self-righteousness, although none of us like to think of ourselves as self-righteous. And, and we have to navigate intense feelings of distress or fear or threat or anger as these powerful, powerful emotions, they really arise out of nowhere and they're really easily triggered. And many of us, I know I can speak personally, sometimes these things show up in my life and then I have this idea, whoa, I'm like, how did I get to this point in life and I'm still dealing with this. And so there's a kind of rejection of meeting it at the point where you're acknowledging it. And to become aware of the rejection and the acknowledgement at the same time and, and allow yourself to hold those opposites um, really is sort of a gateway to um, in, insights. So by becoming familiar with what's difficult, um, we build a kind of inner strength and inner stability that helps us transform those difficulties into what's meaningful so that we can say, you know, I'm sorry for what happened, whether we're talking to another person or talking to ourselves back then. And I really, um, I forgive myself for all of the confusion that happened then and I really want to be different. So I want my life to be different. So what is forgiveness? So a, a classical definition that I think many people will agree with is that forgiveness is letting go of resentment and a desire to get even or for revenge. And that's a common definition and it makes a lot of sense but there may still be something standing in the way of forgiveness. There are some obstacles, some things that we hold on that are deeply held ideas about what forgiveness is and what it isn't. <clears throat> and these obstacles are mostly mistaken, but commonly held fears of forgiveness. So, when we find that we're unable to forgive, if we actually examine it, we may see that there's some fear around the idea of forgiving. If we forgive, it means that the other person prevails or something like that. We could spend a lot of time talking about this, but you know, it's okay. Forgiveness is letting go of resentment and a desire for revenge but then we find, you know, we can recall something that happened 25 years ago and still it can hook us. So, <clears throat> so that event is over, but that deeply held resentment is still there. And it's, it's, it's a hookable spot. So we have to be aware of that. So forgiveness really doesn't need to be rushed and it should never be forced, which is how I started the meditation. Um, so <clears throat> I'd like to just ex 
have you explore some of your own beliefs about forgiveness. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment, and I'm going to go through a number of prompts, and I'm going to go through them so fast that you're not really going to be able to just let them sink in and and see. And then I want to give you some time to, we'll have a discussion. We don't really have time for a breakout room anymore. But um, I'm going to say one or two more things before I do that, since I don't have to uh, try to rush you into a breakout room. But as I said, forgiveness should never be rushed or forced. It doesn't need to be rushed, and it should never be forced. Um, Forgiveness is a beautiful aspect of the human mind and heart, and like other deeply, deeply healing states, because it is an act of healing. It's a transformative act of healing. Um, <clears throat> just like love and compassion and joy. And these are all examples of qualities that can be learned and cultivated. So even when we think that we can't forgive, I want to suggest that these are ju- that's just an idea. You see, and in the space of our own inner exploration, whether we're sitting in meditation or sitting quietly having a cup of tea and playing with our cats and our dog, <coughs> we can we can examine what it is that we really feel about forgiveness, our ideas about forgiveness. And as I read these prompts to you, I'm going to just give you two quotes, one from Martin Luther King, and uh, one is a verse from the Dhammapada, and I think it's Gill's translation. But, but the teaching from Martin Luther King is the old law of an eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. The old law of an eye for an eye leaves everybody blind, Dr. Martin Luther King. And the verse from the Dhammapada that we're all familiar with is, in this world, hatred never ends through hate. Only love dispels hate. This is an ancient truth. In this world, hatred never ends through hate. Only love dispels hate. This is an ancient truth. So I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. And as I go through these things, again, just let them sink in. And you don't have to try to answer them. Just see what comes up for you. So... Who benefits from forgiveness? Is forgiveness the same as reconciliation? If not, what what is the difference? Does the act of forgiveness condone or minimize behavior? 
Is forgiveness a sign of weakness or of strength? Does forgiveness require an apology? Is apologizing the same as forgiving? Is forgiveness a process or does it happen in a moment? Can forgiveness be forced? What is the difference between forgiving and forgetting? So as you are sitting with those prompts, I want to remind us all that we are the primary and direct recipients of our own thoughts and beliefs. So whatever we're thinking or believing affects us immediately and directly before anyone else has a clue what we're thinking. I also want to suggest that resentment, the quality of resentment, mainly affects those who feel it, not the object of the resentment. So when I recall someone from 25 years ago and find that I still have resentment, they're long gone and I'm still suffering. So long-term resentment can actually be poisonous to the mind and body. It can feel like an inner prison. And when we stew in our own resentment, we relinquish our power to those who we're angry with. Okay. So once again, I I want to say that the theme of forgiveness, as I presented it here, um, is primarily as an act of self-care, of self-compassion, of freeing the self from resentment. Many of you probably have done Maranasati practices, reflections on dying, and and the idea that I would die today or tomorrow or sometime soon and carry a a resentment that was created 25 years ago is not a pleasant thought for me. So to look at at this in a 
in a deep and honest way um, uh, can be uncomfortable, but it can also be liberating. So having said all that, um, I just like to open it up to the group to see uh, if anyone has anything that they would like to say about forgiveness, what it is, what it isn't. Does it require an apology? Is apologizing the same as it? Anything at all that you want to say? If I had put you into a breakout room, I would have asked you to think about times that you've been unable or unwilling to forgive and to think about how that choice affected your life. And the second prompt I would have given you is if holding on to this quality of unforgiveness was a strategy for you to achieve something, how did that strategy play out for you? So I don't know if anyone's having their hand up, but if you are, um, you can just, oh, two participants have their hand raised. So will one of you take yourself off mute, whoever has their hand raised? Okay, this is Mary Rodriguez. Hi, Mary. Okay, in the past, when when I held on to the fear and resentment of the harm that was done to me mm-hmm. as a child... Um, I, I believed that that was a form of protection for me so that I would remember what to do if this was going to happen to me again. I didn't see it as a form of punishment for the other person. I mean, I, I, I really was afraid of that other person and I hated that other person. But that wasn't the driving force. It was like I needed a way to protect myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm, I, I think with, with the teachings that I'm learning now in this spiritual path, I am gradually working my way and untangling those, those false beliefs. And, and I'm gradually... Um, being able to to see that person beyond what he did to me, and so that kind of opens up more about seeing him this person as a as a human being, not limited to a horrible human being the way I had him limited so um and I, I'd like to make a request. Is it possible to get that self-forgiveness thing in an email and these questions in an email? Because there's no way I can remember them, but I think they're very valuable to have as reminders. Sure. So thank you so much. So so thank you, uh, Mary. And I, I would also say this idea of forgiveness by thinking that by forgiving you are making yourself open and vulnerable 
this is, this is an example of a fear of forgiveness. See, when we think of forgiveness as essentially an act of self-kindness, of self-care, it doesn't require that the offending party uh, participate in it at all. It doesn't mean that we accept the behavior that that offending party put on us. It simply means that we're letting go of that which require that is causing us to suffer, which is the resentment. You see, it's essentially an act of self-compassion, of self-kindness to put it down. This hurts. I do not want to die holding this. By releasing that in some way, this is my own experience, so take it with a grain of salt. This is the world according to Robert. It opens up the space for me to maybe find access to a more skillful way to actually be in relationship with someone who has hurt me. I may decide I never want to talk to this person again. I don't want to even get into their their energy field. They're so toxic. But I do not have to carry this resentment in my heart, you see. And, and by... For, letting it go, I can then see what is a wise path to follow, you know, and if there's a possibility for reconciliation, then, then, you know, I may find that I'm more likely to, to want to participate in it. Reconciliation requires that both parties recognize that there's a wrong, acknowledge it and decide to move forward. Forgiveness doesn't require anyone else It's an act that we can do on our own. So it empowers us. It's a very powerful um, act. That's why it's transformative. We have time for maybe one more person. Sorry that we're out of time here. So if anybody, I can't see if anyone's got their hand up. But if they do, let's let's just speak. Yes. Uh, You're on mute, Simone. You have to unmute yourself. Okay. Is it it? Is that it? Yes. When I think of things that I've done in the past, Mm -hmm. I feel that that person who did it is not me anymore. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I don't feel much connection to that. Mm -hmm. Or uh, I'm kidding myself, I don't know. In the sense that I should still be responsible for that, even though I'm not the same person. Of something that you did in the past? Right, that I regret. So you're talking about the act of self-forgiveness in this Yes. But I don't think of that person who did it as me, Mm -hmm. as I am now. So can I ask you if you did something last week rather than a long time ago and you recalled it, would you have the same experience? No. No? What would be different? That what I did last week is pretty much 
what I think and am now. Uh-huh. Okay. So if you did something an hour ago, I'm asking the same question. If you did something an hour ago, would you think that that the person you were an hour ago is the person you are now? Uh, yes. You would. Okay. So, so that makes sense on, on a relative level, you see. But actually, <clears throat> what you can learn from just inquiring about resentment and forgiveness is that we tend to uh, have a one-dimensional, almost like a photograph in our mind of who a person is or who we were when that particular act happened. But in fact, your life is dynamic. It's arising and changing from moment to moment to moment, you see? And so holding on to an old resentment from 25 years ago or from last week or from an hour ago, this is a, like a snapshot. It's one dimensional. It is not reflective of the dynamic nature of life. And to, to actually have that insight can allow the forgiveness. To, that's why it's essentially an act of self-compassion, an act of self-kindness. You see, <clears throat> you're not the person who made some, you just made a mistake. A mistake happened. It's not you. It's not me. You see, and when you begin to reflect on it like that, it's easier in a way, to be able to forgive by holding on to old resentments. And, and it's easier to forgive ourselves. You see, sometimes we've all done unskillful things. And <clears throat> when we think about them, we recoil. <clears throat> oh, my God, did I really do that? You see, but when we hold on to it, you see, we continue to suffer. We continue to, to view our experience, our, something that happened, as who we are. And it's not who we are. Who we are is constantly changing. It's dynamic. And we're also goodness. We, have, we also have light in us, light and shadow. So we're a few minutes over. Thank you for... Thank you. It's helpful. Thank you all. We're a few minutes over, but we got started a few minutes late. So I want to thank everybody who uh, is still on the call. I, I know that people couldn't stay for, for the end. But uh, it's a delight to be back with you this month. I missed you all last month. Brigitte, thank you so much for uh, participating with us. It wasn't, it wasn't a guarantee that I was going to be able to be here today, but um, David crack the whip. <laughs> so <laughs> David, thank you very much. And so for all of you who are in small, small groups, I hope you have a wonderful month. And for those of you who might be new and are still on, um, maybe David, you can tell them how they could join a small group if they wanted to. And I'm just going to say, take all of the goodness that's in your heart, everything that we talked about today, just enjoy what it's like to be as old as we are and to have the gift of being able to continue to 
grow and learn and enjoy one another and then share it with the world. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Robert. Very, very good this meeting. Thank you for everybody who has been organizing this one also. Thank you. And thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. See you next month.